When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Been great to have your company so far. Dwayne's World for Kogan Mobile. Make the call, switch to Kogan Mobile and for Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. Pretty wild midday madness, madness in midday madness so far. AFL.com's Cal Termey has been good enough to join me to probably set a few things straight in my mind leading up to this Big AFL draft coming up. Uh, welcome to you, Cal. Great to have you back on the program, by the way. Thanks, Dwayne. Good to be here. Month out from the NAB AFL draft. And, yeah, looking forward to it now. It's all systems go for these draft prospects and, and recruiters who are working out where to place some of the best talent in the land. So let's go through it. There's, the theory being thrown out is that North Melbourne simply didn't have Aaron Cabman as their number one pick. So why keep number one pick if you don't think uh, you're going to take Cabman. You might as well um, trade that to a team that thinks you might take Cabman in the Giants if they want Cabman so desperately. Um, so are we just presuming now that the Giants will take Cabman with pick one or do they have something sneaky up their sleeve? <laughs> I'm not sure if you can have too much sneaky up your sleeve when you're up pick one because you've got, you've got the full... Uh the full sort of gamut of things ahead of you because uh, you have control of the draft. Look, I'd be surprised if uh, they don't go with Aaron Cadman at this point. I think it's going to go that way. Um, he is the key forward. He is the player who, um, from a character point of view, fits into what they're trying to build and progress at the Giants. And from a needs point of view, they haven't drafted um, the key position forwards with the early picks in recent years. They're hard to come by, key forwards. You either... Generally, you look at the ones who are successful around the competition, they're either top 10 picks or they're father-son picks. They're very hard to find outside of that sort of realm. So uh, I think for the Giants, Aaron Cadman is a really good pick at the top of the board, and that's why they wanted to move up to the top of the board. But from North Melbourne's point of view, uh, you have to um, surmise, as you say, that um, he wasn't in their front of mind when they were looking at what their board was going to be. So um, they've also got some really good options, and I think the top group of this year's draft has set itself apart to be a really exciting um, crop of players. So you don't think Cabman is one of the best four players in Australia heading into this draft either, do you? Because you've got him at five. Well, on my rank, yeah, on my rankings, I've got him at five, and I've had him around that mark throughout this year. Look, it's no criticism to be ranked number five in the country as an 18-year-old key forward. Some would say that I, I maybe judge um, the key position forwards a bit harder than maybe some of the midfielders, um, and that could be fair. It's easier 
it's an easier game at under-18 level for the midfielders to dominate because, as we know, the, the taller types do take on longer. And history will either prove me right or wrong by having him at number five at the moment. But, um, look, he's had a really exciting season. It's his first year as a key forward. He's, he's been a, a midfielder, basically, until a big growth spurt really plummeted or pushed him into um, playing as a key forward across this year for the Greater Western Victoria Rebels and, and Victoria Country as well. So, look, I've got him in the top five. He's at number five for me, and I've got some of the more pure midfielders ahead of him. Included in that, of course, is Will Ashcroft. So, um, you know, if a bid does come at pick one, then that would knock uh, Cabinet back to two. So I don't think there's a huge gap in there. So, is there any responsibility? Well, let me ask you the question this way. Does every club in the country believe that Will Ashcroft is the best player in this draft? And is there any responsibility on the Giants to make Brisbane pay full price by nominating him with pick one? Questions. Does every club think Will Ashcroft's the best player in it? I don't think every club will, will think that. But there's always a, a variance of views. Look, he, he's had the most complete season of um, a draft prospect this year. There's no doubt about that. He's averaged 34 disposals or something close to that at NAB League level. He's won the last medal. Um, as the best player in the under-18 championships in Vic Metro. He was best on ground in the NAB League grand final. Um, he, he had a three-vote game in the VFL playing for Brisbane's VFL side, which is so rare for a, a mm. pop-up player, essentially, to come in and get that at, at his age. So putting all that to one side, we haven't seen too much of George Wardlaw this year as a midfielder. If he plays throughout the year, how tight would that battle have been in an open field? I just saw this miss. 10 or 11 weeks throughout the middle of the season as well through a foot fracture. Some of his best games, the largest artists, as a midfielder early this year, I think were among the best games we've seen from any draftee across this season. Inside, outside midfield, a bit taller, damaging player. Um, so these types, and Aaron Cadman is a key forwarder, obviously views um, yeah, his games a little bit differently to some of the midfielders. So I don't think every club will have Will Ashcroft as the player who they think will be the best player out of the draft. In saying that, he is the absolute surest bet because of what we've seen and he'll come in and make a huge impact for um, Brisbane from day one. Do the Giants have responsibility for the rest of the clubs to make a bid? That's entirely their call. Um, they bid last year and picked two on Sam Darcy, so they haven't been afraid to, to bid early on players before who they rate and, and respect and, and want to join their club. In the end, I think it will come down to that. Do they want this player to join their club? And, and how much do they want the number one pick to be um, their own as well? Because they know they won't get it. I mean, Brisbane will have to come up with the points. But the interesting part is, if Brisbane have to pay full price, they have to go into points deficit a little bit, don't they? Yeah, well, probably not as much for Will Ashcroft, but it's more the secondary bid that's going to push them into a points deficit. And that would be for Jasper Fletcher. Yeah. who, of course, is the son of Adrian Fletcher. So that would be the part that pushes him into deficit for next year, potentially. In saying all of that, um, they, they don't have their first-round pick for next year, so the deficit would come off what is their first pick next year, which is their second-round right. pick. Um, so it, it's not a huge cost to pay. I know clubs don't like going into deficit. It doesn't happen often. But for the Lions and what they're going to be bringing in this off-season with Josh Dunkley on top of um, the two-gun midfielders through the draft, it's not a huge price to pay, so it's, it's definitely not any doom or gloom. That They'll be fine to, to match the bid. 
So they'll match the bid and they'll get him. That, that's the hard part. It, is it better off to, because you get a bonus, you get a financial bonus as being pick one? Is it, what's the theory that you'd rather have less pressure and not be the number one pick coming out of the draft? So in the end, they, they take Will Ashcroft or pick Will Ashcroft as a number one pick. The Giants, even though they don't get him, and they end up getting Cabman number two, and there's less pressure on him because he's number two. How's it all unfold? Would you rather be pick one or not? I'd rather be pick one. What would you rather be, Dwayne? Yeah, I'd rather be pick one as well. You get the financial bonus, but some players obviously want that responsibility and thrive on it. It seems like not everybody does, though. No, I don't think everyone does. I think Aaron Cadman's a player who isn't as stressed about it one way yeah. or another. Um, I think um, I think Will Ashcroft has set the goal throughout his time to be the number one pick, but he really doesn't have too much control over that one way or another apart from his performance, which would be worthy of getting the bid at pick one. But um, Aaron Cadman is the type of personality that I don't think would be too stressed if it was at number one, and he had to carry that extra expectation that comes because there is, as we know, there is a big difference between the number one and the number two picks. Everyone remembers who's number one. I dare say not everyone remembers who the number two picks in a lot of drafts are. So there is a big difference from an expectation external point of view. Um, the financial reward is is obviously a bonus, but I don't think that's going to be um, a say in whether a bid is made one way or another. Of course, we saw in 2020... Um, Adelaide make the bid on Jamari Eugle Hagen, and the Bulldogs obviously match that one as a Next Generation Academy player. And this year, clearly, um, there's another opportunity for that. And last year, we had Nick Dacos, who got to number four, which, you know, in hindsight, we'll say that I'm pretty sure even Foresight could have said that that was going to be a little bit too low given what his extreme abilities are. So, uh, look, everyone does a little bit differently, but I, I do understand the circumstances where. Um, it can depend a little bit on the personality type of players and, and who's involved and, and the club's involved as well. I mean, um, pick one does generate great publicity for clubs and, and great hope. And, and if it's on the shoulders of a player who's comfortable with it, then, then that's um, a lot to take into. So who does North take then with picks two and three in essence? Do they take Wardlaw, Sardis or Sheasel? Because depending on who you ask, you know, I think they'll take Sheasel. But you've got him as pick four in your order, which means that they could take Wardlaw and Sardis? No, my order's a ranking, just a pure ranking. So um, that's just a pure pound-for-pound ranking. So I think he will be um, uh, very strongly in the frame for North Melbourne with one of their pick two or three. And I think George Wardlaw as well is is right in that mix um, to be uh, for the Roos. Look, they've had pick three on the table as well. If, if a trade is, is good enough, we reported it during the, the trade period on afl.com.au that they would be open to offers on pick three if they would slide back or move. Um, but they probably require a, a very strong future selection to, to move back a number of spots. So um, I, I think it's most likely that they take both of those picks to the draft. And and Sheasel and Wardlaw have been the strong favourites in those selections. Sheasel being more of a, a goal-kicking half forward who can go into the midfield and kick 35 or so goals in the NAB league. And, and Wardlaw's a powerful midfielder who could fill some of the void from um, what the Roos had planned to get out of Jason Horn Francis. I don't think there's that many um, differences between both of those players when they're up and going. Injuries um, stopped George Wardlaw in his tracks a couple of times this season, but he's a quality player who um, I do know clubs do have um, ranks within the one or two uh, on their draft boards.
um, around the competition. So, uh, look, there's Elijah Sardis amongst that sort of contention as well. You look a little bit further into the pool and Bailey Humphreys, a quality player as well from the Gippsland Power. Jai Clark's a midfielder from the Geelong Falcons who we've spoken a lot about through the trade period as well. Cam McKenzie's another midfield option. But look, there's a powerful midfield group at the top end of this year's group and um, North Melbourne should be able to at least pounce on one of them. So in essence, Ashcroft goes, Wardlaw goes, Cabman goes and Shearsall goes, which leaves Essendon with pick four to get either what, Sardis or Humphrey? According to your order, that would be, they'd go for one of those? I think both of those guys would be um, in the mix. There's other guys who would be in contention as well. Ruben Jimby, midfielder from Western Australia. Uh, Matthias Filippo, um, a South Australian midfielder. Those two guys, I, I think, should appeal as taller midfielders. We all know Essendon's midfield mix probably doesn't have those guys who are the 189, 190-centimetre types, which those two are, and, and it would add a little bit of difference. But Sardis is a quality player. I've been a big fan of his, as I said before. Some of his games this year were um, standouts at the start of the year and at the end of the year. Um, he's about 180, 687 centimetres. So, again, he is a little bit taller than what their group has. And Bailey Humphreys... Um, You've got some Toby Green tendencies, I think. He, he's the, the small forward slash midfield. He's 185 centimetres, so he's not that small, but he's mm. powerful, can jump, he takes marks. He, he registers a stack of shots on goal and played with a few injuries this year as well and, and put together a really exciting season. So he would be a point of difference in a different way. He'd need to start as a forward, but yeah, for the Bombers, all of those guys should be right in that mix. And which leaves Hawthorne to either choose, what, Jai Clark ahead of Geelong, or Geelong will be hanging out for pick seven to be Jai Clark and not be taken by Hawthorne, the pick ahead of them. <laughs> you would, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tight. Um, I think Jai Clark will be in the mix for a number of clubs in that, that opening group, and, and Hawthorne and Geelong clearly would be looking at him as a midfield option. He's got the Joel Selwood leadership and... and tendencies and, and intensity too. He's a really high quality player in person. Giant had a strong season. Um, he, he's been mentored a little bit through um, Joel Selwood and, and his time at the Cats earlier this year as part of the NAB AFL Academy when he trained at the Cats and, and leaves a stone throw away. Stone, stone throw away sorry. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Hawks would have a look at him as well, I think. And, and the Hawks obviously took Josh Ward last year. You know, Jai Clark would probably complement that group too. And before I let you go, the Gold Coast with pick five are essentially going to have to take a Victorian, aren't they? So would they take Jai Clark from Geelong? It's going to be a tricky one for them. They have to make sure that they go through it fairly carefully and make sure they get someone who won't have the go-home factor on their mind. Filippo's another one that you mentioned from SA. So, you know, given what's just happened with them, with the departure you know, of one of their guns, would they go with a South Australian again? That's all the things out the way up. And the other one as well in that, in that mix could be Ruben Jimbia, who a lot of clubs do yeah. have locked in as the top 10 pick. He's from Western Australia. Um, I do think that um, Jimbia has a lot of takers inside the top 10. His combine was outstanding. He was probably one of the, the, the big risers out of the combine. Just underlined athletically how strong he was. A little bit out of sight, out of mind at stages this year as well um, from you know some quarters, given he's played some school footy in Western Australia and not had as much... Um, exposure potentially at, at Waffle Senior and, and Colts level as others but yeah he, he would be in that frame and there's other Victorians as well and Bailey Humphrey you talk about Jai Clark 
all those things come into contention when um, these clubs are weighing things up. And there's been a lot of talk around the Victorian um, sort of go-home factor, and it was the trade period of the go-home factor, wasn't it, with Rankin and Jackson and Horn Francis and Bruin and even Ollie Henry from, from Collingwood to Geelong. So I think that's right in the front of the minds of, of scouts as they weigh things up, and I'll ask the questions to, to, to players over the next few weeks as well, see what their answers are that come back and, and how sure they are that they're happy to move. Do you think on draft night we're going to see some teams live trade up or even some teams live trade themselves down? I mean, if, if Jai Clark's not available for Geelong at pick seven, do they you know, allow their pick seven to be bid for by somebody else? Could do, and that's the beauty of um, the, the, the live trading. Um, we, we don't see much of it within the first round. We've only seen a few over the years of first-round picks happen uh, and, and be swapped around. There was one, obviously, the Liam Stocker deal, famously, in, in 2018. And then uh, 2019, Carlton, again, um, moved out of that uh, or moved a, a couple of picks around and moved up the board when there was the Gold Coast selection as well. So there's not been a huge amount of movement inside the first 10. Generally, clubs stay and, and stay put, but... Um, the Swans have two picks at 14 and 17, which they're willing to package up if they can get high enough and if the players are available. So all it takes, Dwayne, as we all know, is, is one surprise and one club to sort of flick a player that no one really expected to go quite as high, and that can have the ripple effect to, to push one out. And, and we'll see if this that happens again this year. And what's going to happen? Uh, Sammy Evans going to join us later, but do you think there's going to be a, a spread of Tasmania opportunities to take players out of the draft that will stretch maybe a four, four or five-year period as opposed to loading up and giving them every second kid in one draft? Yeah, it's a little bit down the track, isn't it? I think clubs have that on their minds um, in terms of what they're doing um, with their own recruiting and getting in and trying to have strong draft hands, particularly clubs with, with, um, who are more in the rebuilding phase, getting in early. Because, I mean, we know we look at the Gold Coast and Giants that did over you know, multiple years there. And if you spread their sort of concessions out over three to four years themselves, um, elongate some of the the rebuilds that um, other clubs are trying to push up the board at that time, whether it's, um, you know, Richmond and Essendon and North Melbourne who were, were sort of starting their rebuilds but then um, had to be sort of staggered a little bit throughout that period as all the, the picks were swallowed, swallowed up. So I think the AFL will be mindful of that. Um, the, the lessons learned from different um, expansion clubs over recent years and also the recruiters and list managers are, are pretty switched on. So they would see what the opportunities can be. Cal, love your work. We'll be following it on AFL.com. Uh, the Phantom form guide for October is live. The Road to the Draft show is also dropping episodes left, right and centre. So you can follow Cal Toomey on Twitter as well. Cal Toomey. Looking forward to your company on Twitter and on AFL.com and hopefully we'll sneak him on a couple of times before the draft. We'll talk soon, Cow. Thanks again. Thanks, Dwayne. Cow Toomey joining us. Midday Madness for Melbourne Roadside Rescue, Wrong Fuel Extraction. Search upshipcreek.com.au. A break, plenty still to come. We'll talk some AFL later in the program as well with Kevin Shifter Sheehan. We're also going to head to Dallas and talk some World Series. Sammy Edmund to bring us any breaking news and cricket with Adam Collins. So a heap of stuff still to get to on Dwayne's World. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? 
Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.